John chapter 15. Let's begin reading in verse 12. John chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus is the speaker here. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I don't know if you caught it, but there's conditions. You're my friends if... Anytime if is in a sentence in the scripture, it's the biggest word in the sentence. Every time, without exception. I-F. If is always the biggest word in the sentence. If you do whatever I command you, I no longer call you servants, for a servant do not know what his master does, but I have called you friends for everything that I I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that the Father may give you whatever you ask him in my name. This I command you that you love one another. He says, if the world hates you, You know that it hated me before it hated you. The world hates Jesus. They hated him then, they hate him today. They didn't crucify him because they were in love with him. They crucified him because they hated him. They hated what he stood for. They hated who he was. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, since I chose you out of the world, the world therefore hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my words, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. Because they do not know him who sent me. This morning, just for the next few moments, I want to bring to you the thoughts... Or really, I want to challenge you. I want you to understand that there are hills worth dying on. Hills worth dying on. It's a loss. It's something that's lost today to this. We think there's nothing worth standing up for, evidently. But I want to tell you this morning that there are still hills worth dying dying on heavenly father i thank you for your word and ask you for the help of the of the of the paraclete the one that comes beside the holy spirit lord i pray that you would that you would give these lips of clay your words lord that you would guide our steps our actions our words our thoughts lord that we would be challenged in our spirit even even pricked and cut today challenged to the hour in which we live and the day in which we stand. Lord, that we would leave here changed by the power of the Word of God. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hills worth dying on. As Revere rode up the front yard of Clark's home, Clark Adams and Hancock ran out to meet him. When they heard that the British were marching towards Lexington, Adams and Hancock asked Pastor Clark if the men of Lexington would fight. 
Clark responded, I have trained them for this very hour. They would fight, and if need be, die too, under the shadow of the house of God. The next morning, April 19th, 1775, Pastor Jonas Clark and Deacon John Parker led the Lexington Minutemen out to face the invaders. As the British approached the Minutemen, they cried in the name of the King of England, throw down your arms. This response rang out from the colonists. We recognize no sovereign but God, and no king but Jesus. Then Captain Parker said to his minute men, stand your ground. Don't fire unless fired upon. But if they mean to have a war, let it begin here. Then the first shot rang out, the shot that was heard around the world. Just like then, today, there are still hills worth dying on. I struggle sometimes in my spirit, in my thoughts, in my preparation, in the environment that we lived in, that we live in today, where where the world would have you believe that we that Christianity is for a bunch of, of old white people that are racist, that America was founded by evil people on evil deeds and evil thoughts, and even the idea that, that Christianity and, and being proud to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave is, a, is two thoughts that should never come together. I got news for you that freedom comes with the gospel and the gospel comes with freedom. They are inseparable. I would tell you that what do you say, pastor, about all the things that happened in the past that was wrong? Well, I, I would address it that just like anybody else in any other time, there are times that people get it really right, and there are times that people get it terribly wrong. I would also remind you that judging other societies at other times by today's standards is foolishness. Oh, somebody hear me again. Judging 300 years ago with the language and the lingo and the standards of today is ridiculous. There are things that we know are evil and we know are wrong that should be condemned and rightfully so. But to try to tear down everything good that the church and this country have done together. Hold on, somebody. I said together. There's some of you here, I, there's faces I've never seen before. You're wondering already, who in the, did I come to one of those crazy white nationalist church that they talk about on the news? No, you just come to a church that still believes the word of God's true, that still, that still believes that the price that men paid for you to sit here this morning to even have that thought is still a hill that's worth dying on. It's still a hill that's worth dying on. We have had the wool pulled over our eyes, and even and I, but I would say, we're, since we're living in the age of deception, we know that that's true. That the church is going to have to stand up and be counted. They can call us what they want to call us. They can criticize, they can, they can tear down, they can come after, they can, they can throw you in jail, they can, they can burn your house, they can run you out of town, but there's still things that are worth standing up for 
that we have to stand on today. We are where we are at. I will say this boldly. We are where we are at today because pulpits all across this great land refuse to stand up under pressure and say enough is enough because they bought the lie of the media, the pressure from the people. that it says, See, the world hates what we stand for. So don't be shocked when people hate you and try to silence you. They will have you to believe that anything you stand up for that is righteous is bigoted. They will have you believe that if you say this is right and this is wrong, that you're a judgmental old fool that needs to be quiet. In the meantime, we're losing ground, losing freedom, losing the gospel by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people a year because the church is quiet. Because we want to go along to get along. Let me tell you what, going along to get along will get you Nazi Germany, to be frank with you. Where in the world were the preachers in Germany when Hitler was marching, was taking to power and marching across Europe? They were going along to get along is where they were at. Then you look backwards and millions of people are dead because the church was quiet. Because they didn't want to be political. Because they didn't want people, they didn't want the government after them. They didn't want to have to pay the price. But I come to tell you today that there are still hills worth dying on. The idea of freedom is still a hill that's worth dying on. We want to act like, we're, we're giving it up. It. What it? Freedom. We're giving freedom up every day. Mostly in the name of safety, to be frank with you. But I'm going to tell you something. Freedom that is given away is never given back. Every freedom you ever had, somebody fought for it. Somebody stood up for it. Somebody paid the price in their blood for it. When you give it away, they don't just hand it back to you. You're going to have to fight to get it back. I got news for you, young generation, that thinks equality sounds wonderful, but what you're really after is equity. Equality is a, is a place that, that, that brings you where you have the opportunity to achieve. Equity is everybody getting the same thing. And let me tell you something, equity never brings equality. Somebody hear me. When you believe this stuff, it's not going to bring the bottom up. Never has, never will. Equality. See, we, we're so foolish today that we believe that the idea of equality is going to bring the poor up. No. Equality is, it brings everybody down. Hey, do I know that there's people taking advantage of people? Do I know that there's, that, there's, that there's laws and standards that have to be in place because there's evil, greedy men in the world? Of course. Of course. But what are you willing to give away? What are you willing to give away for your children? We've got to get back to proclaiming that there's still a way. Walk you in it. Oh, you didn't hear me. God said, the word of God says, this is the way. Walk in it. It's not let's make a deal. See, that's what everybody's trying to make a deal today. It's not let's make a deal. It is this is the deal. If you want to succeed, if you want to have life, if you want to be a friend of God, if you want to raise the standard, preach the truth. First, Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians says this, if the truth be hidden, if the church refuses to tell the truth, 
Truth is capital T, the way, the truth, and the life. If the truth be hidden today, it is hidden from those who are perishing. You don't understand. Mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa, you already know the truth. But when you refuse to give the truth, it's not you that's going to die without the truth. You have the truth. If the truth is not trolled, if the truth be hidden, it is hidden from those who are perishing. We have to stand up. Quiet. We have to stand up. Our very lives depend on it. It makes me crazy when I hear the... Man, I have adjectives for people today that I just can't say from the pulpit. (laughs) I read from a preacher here a while back, says... Everybody's hung up on America. Like, America is something special. He said, God's still God in every country in the world. And I thought, you old fool. He is still God all everywhere. He'll, he'll meet someone in the darkest lockdown of Islamic oppression that can be found in the world. But those very people would give everything they have to be in the place where you and I are today. Today, people, the yearning of the human heart, no matter where it is, is for freedom. We're not talking about political freedom. We're talking about spiritual freedom. And where there's spiritual freedom, because spiritual freedom comes from the Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. And the Word says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom, liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is not freedom anywhere in this world that the Spirit of God didn't bring it. Heal's worth dying on. Freedom is worth dying for still today. Your children, your grandchildren is still a heal worth dying on mom and dad grandma and grandpa wake up wake up they're still worth fighting for it's still worth going and making the news at the school board meeting if you need to there's people that ought to stand on their head and do double backflips down the aisle to say no you're not going to do it stop they're worth fighting for They're worth dying for. When every ungodly piece of trash that this world can throw at it is being shoved down their throats and told that it's acceptable and normal. They're going to believe them if you don't open your mouth. Say, preacher, I didn't come today to get challenged. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. You can't say anything about education today without people standing up and saying, you're against the teachers. My wife's a teacher. I'll beg your pardon. I'm not against the teachers. I'm against the crazy, radical, loony tune left. I don't care what you say, who you voted for, what you call them. The radical, loony tune left in this country is shoving garbage through these schools. They're indoctrinating your children. And you still have the right to say no. People are afraid to say left. They're afraid to say right. They're afraid to say Republican. They're afraid to say Democrat. They're afraid to call it like it is because they don't want the trouble to show up at their doorstep. They don't want their their friends to be challenged. They don't want to think you go to that kind of church. But let me tell you, there are people in this world that are the problem. 
I don't care what label they wear. You notice I said radical, looney tune, crazy, nut job, leftist. I didn't say Democrats because they're not all that way. But let me tell you something. If you're voting for the people that are the problem, you're the problem. You say, preacher, you're never going to build a church that way. So be it. You've heard it. So be it. You cannot pass the responsibility on for the people that you put into office. You can't do it. You say, well, neither side's got it right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Do I have time for some civics lessons here? Is that all right? Because evidently they're not doing it anywhere, so it falls to me. Because, see, power in politics comes in blocks. Lone wolves don't carry the day. Mavericks don't get it done. Some of you right now are saying, Joe Manchin's getting it done. He's a maverick. The only reason he has any power is because he is literally on the razor's edge of the voting blocks that he can swing it one way or the other. If, he, if, it was a, if they had five more senators, brother, you wouldn't even know who he was. You're not listening to me. Some of you has already tuned me out. Watch it again later. You're mad now. Watch it later. Watch it in the privacy of your own home. You can throw it at your big screen or you can say amen and one or the two will happen. But power comes in blocks. There's no independent thinkers in Washington, D.C. or in Austin. I just got to sit down a minute because y'all thinking I'm nuts. I'm not crazy. What am I trying to get to? Platforms matter. Platforms matter. The rhetoric doesn't matter. Somebody hear me. Rhetoric, talk, let's say it this way, talk is cheap. Rhetoric is irrelevant. Action is what counts. There were little things, cliches, little tidbits they taught us in school, used to back in the day, and it said things like this. Actions speak louder than words. What do people do? I'm tired of hearing the public and the church rail against the things that are going on on the news. But putting the very people in office that are enacting what you're railing against and then acting like you have no responsibility in it. If the truth be hidden, it's hidden from those who are perishing. Man, it's early. I still got all kinds of time to make people mad. (laughs) Your kids are worth fighting for. What they believe. Uh Uh-oh. Home, mom, dad, whoever's there. You are more important in what they think and what they grow up believing than what the educator is. The educator should say amen. If you're just advocating your duty, don't be surprised with what you get. I read just this morning, just this morning, That the National Educators Association, largest teachers union in the United States, right? Just this morning they came out and said that they fully endorse and believe the schools are fully ready at every level to be taught critical race theory in the classroom nationwide. 
Let me tell you something. Yeah, this is the most appropriate day on the calendar to bring this stuff, to teach you the Word of God, that there's things worth dying for. There are steel hills worth dying on. See, God's theory on race and human relations is found in the book of Galatians. And it's not a theory, it's a fact. God doesn't have theories. Are y'all hearing me? See, critical theory, see it started out as critical theory and it was economic, but it didn't work in America. Y'all Google me, find out, research, find out I'm not crazy, find out I'm telling you the truth. It was pit class against class. Well, that didn't work. So we added R. It was used to be CT theory, now it's CRT, critical race theory. Now we added R. It's, it's, to, it's, to, it's to throw race against race, nation against nation, nationality against nationality, and teach our children from the earliest age that you're, you're born a bigot. Nothing you can do about it. If you were born, if you were born, especially if you were born male, cisgendered, what's that mean? That means you identify by the parts that you were born with. I read yesterday that Andrew Cuomo's daughter came out as demisexual. I thought, I got to have, I got to have computing power to even know what these people are talking about. What are you talking about? So if you're, if you're, if you're, this is, this is, this is the, this is the, the formula for just, you're an absolutely terrible human being. Are you with me? And nothing you can do about it. If you're male, cisgendered, white, Christian, married, then you're just the devil incarnate and there's nothing you can do about it. It's born in you. It's going to be that way. Just, we got it. We got, we're going to have to spend the rest of your life training you not to be a horrible person. And any amount of, and any, and any combination of those five that you happen to fall into, well, that's just the degree of, of terrible that you are. You're not hearing me. Five for five, Calvin says. <laughs> that you're either, literally, critical race theory is you're either an oppressor or you're the oppressed. If you're the oppressor, nothing you can do about it. That's, that's who you are, and we'll, we'll try to contain it. If you're the oppressed, you'll never rise above it. Right, right. That's in a nutshell. Can I tell you, it's for the purpose of destroying your freedom. See, every once in a while, instead of getting into political discussions on Facebook, you ought to find out what you are talking about. And find out where it came from. See, all this critical theory, no matter what label you put on it, come from a man named Karl Marx, who was an avowed atheist, and his, and his purpose in life, his stated purpose, is destroy the Christianity and destroy freedom and to put everybody on the same level. It was about control. It was Karl Marx who said, Religion is the opiate of the masses. It has to be destroyed. And this week, today, the largest teachers union in the United States has declared that that is what needs to be taught in every classroom. So it seems like the very appropriate day to say that there are hills worth dying on. Major denominations of Christianity in the United States. The Southern Baptist Convention is, in, is, is tearing at the seams over incorporating this critical race theory into their convention, into their, into their standards, into their bylaws.
today. Look it up. I'm not making it up. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. I'm not an open-minded preacher. I'm as narrow-minded as they come. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm as narrow-minded as they come. My mind is only open to what this book says. That's it. Nothing outside of it, period. End of story. He says, thy word is truth. He says, your word is settled in heaven. He says, he watches over his word to perform it. The world says you're either oppressed or you're the oppressor. The word says that there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. Luke chapter 4, Jesus speaking of himself. See, that have you believe that you're born into situations that you can never get out of. But Jesus, one day he walks into the synagogue and he pulls the scroll. It's his day to read. And understand that the, that the that the order of reading is set out year. I mean, you could they could mark their calendar out a hundred years from now, and they'd know what scripture they're going to read today in synagogue. Right. And today it fell to him. And it says that he went and found the scroll written by Isaiah, and he began to speak and quote from Isaiah of himself. He said, "The Spirit of the Lord." is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty Let me break that down even further for you in English. To set free those who are oppressed. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen to me. You're not hearing me. The world would have you believe that me and you are the problem. Right. Exactly. The book will tell you that this is the solution. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere the word has ever went into, it set people free. Period. Oh, I can hear some smart aleck right now. Say, well, what about the Crusades? The Crusades didn't happen in the name of the word of God. The Crusades happened in the name of the Pope. Not the word. It was dead religion that brought invaders marching through, converting at the edge of the sword. Not Christianity. Say, I don't like that either. Sorry. It's true. There are hills worth dying on. Your children are one of them. The gospel today is a hill that's worth dying on. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about, yes, taking a stand figuratively, it's worth taking a stand for and giving all you got. But it's literally worth dying for. It is the only hope of the world. There's not another hope. There's not another way. There's not, an, there's not another solution. There is not. If we don't have a revival of the Word of God, a revival of the moving of the Holy Spirit, a revival of truth, then we will never see any of this turn around.
Church, it's more than the pulpit that has to stand up. It's all of us. We have to... I'm going to get into things that are coming weeks down the road, but I'll get into it a little. We have to become, we have to quit being an introverted church. Can I just lay some truth on you, Mag? Can I lay something down? See, Mag has been a generous church for years. We give to missionaries all over the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's generous. We should, that's, we should do that. Hello? But we're introverted. I'm not talking about that church over there. I'm talking about this church. We have got to turn from a generous, introverted church to an extroverted church that touches everything around us. We have to. That'll take more than me. That'll take you. Is it worth it? Yes. Can we do it? Yes, we can and we will. We got to quit preaching about reaching the world and reach the world. We got to stop talking about having the truth and give it away. Man, it's amazing how quiet it gets whenever you involve people. It doesn't matter how much you fuss and gripe and whatever else you do about what you're seeing on the news. If all you do is complain in your living room and come to church once a month and go home. Preacher, I don't know about all this. Do you stop and wonder? It's challenging, I get it. I said it Wednesday night. Have you stopped and wondered? First of all, ask yourself, how long has it been since you've heard God bless America? How long? Never mind that. How long has it been? He said, are you talking about America or the gospel? No, I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the gospel that caused America and causes America to be what it was and what it should be. Are you understanding that? Our natural resources isn't what made America great. Uh, now, I'm at the risk of losing the whole crowd. I got news for you. Donald Trump isn't what made America great could or did or will or should have or could have it, he, 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 there's, that's not it what made America great is the light of the gospel say so what about what about our racist history what about the gospel that brought the light to it and, and the only country in the world that brother fought against brother, cousin against cousin, neighbor against neighbor, that were willing to stand up because of the gospel for what was right and die for it to correct it? What about that? What about that? Has it happened anywhere else? No, sir. No, ma'am. What about that? See, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I don't hear anybody singing, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesty above the fruited plain. When we have people 
that prospered to the point of the greatest athletes in the world, but when they're third, by the way, third. Bronze, you bronze, they ain't playing it for you, honey. Boy, I wish I had a microphone for two minutes. They wouldn't play it for you, honey, you're third. Third in the world, that's great, that's wonderful. Who put you there? Who gave you the equipment and the training and, and everything you needed to even put you on the side of that podium? But you'll turn your back on it and talk about how oppressed you are. I got a problem with people making $400 million every 10 years playing, chasing a pigskin around telling me how oppressed they are. I got to tell you, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with people that sit in the most powerful position in the world telling me how oppressed they are. You say, you still own it. I'm still on it. I'm exposing the lie, the stupidity, the ignorance. I guess I'm exposing my white, privileged, cisgendered, heterosexual Christian. I'm even worse than that because I'm a radical Pentecostal Christian. I guess I'm exposed. And by the way, if they want to call me radical, I accept it. I'm, I am radical about the Word of God. I believe what it says inside and out, front to back, top to bottom. And it's, the truth of the Word of God has never held a single person back, ever. It will advance you. It will lift you up. It will, it will, it will, it will bring, wherever you were, it will elevate you. The question was, why aren't you hearing these things? Literally. Have you considered, first of all, am I wrong? When's the last time, when's the last time you heard it? Seen it? When, when's the last time you've seen a, a stadium full, full of 100,000 people stand and swell with pride over the freedom that they have? No. And I'll ask you why. Because there's always been America haters. There's always been gospel haters. There's always been freedom haters. But the people that love it have sat down. You've been bullied into a corner. You've been made to feel like that you're the problem. You've, whether you even realize it or not, you've accepted their lie when you sit down. I'm not going to sit down. We got mamas and daddies that are letting teenagers and college students run their household and teach them, educate them. I ain't, I'm not wrong. See, my daddy told me, it's early, I got time to tell you what my daddy told me. So you got people, you, you, the change in, they're, they're, they're getting mom and dad to sit down and shut up. Educating them, teaching them what they never knew when they're 22 years old. You got any 22 year olds in here? 20, 21, 19, 20? Y'all lying, I see y'all over the place. <laughs> My daddy told me, said, what do you mean? He said, don't you know, boy, that your brain don't even connect to your spinal cord until you're 25? Because right. <laughs> it's right. You got five more years for your brain to connect to your spinal cord, but I'm going to help you do it quicker. Are y'all hearing me at all? Where gray hair is ignorance, Grady, you're in trouble. <laughs> Even in the church world, just shut up and sign the check, Grandpa. It's true. You say, are you going to quit? In a minute. 
I was listening to an AG preacher that I respect in Tennessee, Arkansas area. Two services now. Not because they need the room, but because it was the solution to their culture war. Can I just call it what it is? He'd be mad at me for saying that, but it's true. It wasn't because they were so packed out they needed an 8 a.m. and a 10 a.m. It was because they, well, I think today we call it the traditional service and the contemporary service. I got news for you. All you got is two churches meeting at one address. You've got a divided house. Two churches meeting at one address. But what I want you to know, he admitted to me that the crowd is at 10 o'clock. And the money's at 8 o'clock. Think about that. Don't want to hear nothing from you, Grandpa. We're going to do it our way. Absalom. We're going to do it our way. But we broke or we're not going to contribute. Somebody say glory. (laughs) Say you airing everything you got. Oh no, not even close. (laughs) What I'm telling you is that there's hills that are worth dying on. The gospel. Freedom. Church folks, I won't go into it this morning, but cardinal doctrine still worth dying for too. I won't go into that. What is that? That there's salvation only by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Jesus that's the blood of Jesus that saves. It's the blood of Jesus that heals. It's the blood of Jesus that baptizes. It's the blood of Jesus that's, and it's Jesus who is coming back. There are still things that are worth dying for that you don't compromise on, that you don't give up on, that you stand for unconditionally, church. It's up to us. I want to tell you something. At the close of this message, we can't sit in the pew anymore or on the padded chair anymore. We can't be introverted anymore. It, sitting back and griping and fussing and having the truth but not sharing it is not getting it done. It's not getting it done. And we're going to sit if we don't stand up and fight. Yes, fight. You say, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound like a gospel. That doesn't sound like the Bible. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. He said, to endure hardness, hardship. How? As a good soldier. If we don't get extroverted, if we don't get out of the pew, if we don't open our mouth, we're going to sit around in our living room and be right. While everything we ever had disappears. I hope to God that should it come to it, I can, I can say what Jonas Clark said. He said, I've trained them for this very hour that they would fight and if need be to die in the shadow of the house of God. I hope that can be said of me if need be. That I've trained them. That they'll fight. They're not looking for a fight, but they'll fight. Don't fire until you're fired upon. But if it's a war they want, then it's a war they'll get. If you think all of this is just going to go away by wishing and hoping... It's not. I'm not calling you to rally around a political party. I'm calling you to rally around the truth of the Word of God. To rally around what's true. 
and I will never be able to rally around the people for a second. Let me say it this way. There's a cry for false unity in the country today. My question would be, is what have you given me to unite with? You're not hearing me. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? What do you have me, what would you have me unify with? I'm not going to unify around critical theory. I'm not going to unify around LGBTQ agenda. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rally around uh, 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 national destruction. I'm not going to rally around uh, religious oppression. I'm not going to rally around lies. So what do you give me to unify with? See, I'm not telling you to unify with a party. I'm telling you to unify with the Word. We got so much work to do. You ask me, what, what are the things that keep you up at night? Money problems? No. Health problems? No. Anxiety? No. I'm talking about the things that get my... These are the things that keep me up is will the people stand up? Will they fight for what they have? Will they take the gospel to the world? Will they, will they, will they wake out of their sleep? Will they, will they get up out of their slumber? Will they shake off the complacency? Will they stand up? Will they go out? Is it, are they ever, when are we, when are we going to stand church? When are we going to stand? When are we going to stand? What can you do? Lord, what can I say? What can I do? What can I, what can happen that you, that's what stays on my mind. And yes, I know that it's not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but Paul said it was with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have it. We've got to show it. We've got to give it. We have to. Stand with me all across this place. 